Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Hi everyone, it's Natalie Deans, and today on Chatting with Nat, we have the honor of having DJ Diva Danielle. With a fierce desire to promote women in music alongside an affinity for unicorns, Danielle trailblazed her way through the California music scene with her self-dubbed brand, Music for Unicorns. And after a long relationship with In Stereo as an artist, she has now taken the reins as the label manager, working side by side with her mentor and friend, DJ Dan. Diva D has rocked Northern Nights, Lightning in a Bottle, Coachella, and so many more. Let's give her a round of applause. Hi, Diva Danielle. How are you? Hello. Well, first off, I just want to say I love your opening song. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, yeah, You're we welcome. have to love our own power out here. Uh, <laughs> how have you been um, during this? I just uh, I don't even know what to say anymore about this uh, this world. How have you been through the cray cray of the? Uh, uh, politics, elections, George Floyd, Ukraine, um, pandemic, not mass shootings, uh, Roe versus Wade. What else is there? Oh, monkey, <laughs> monkey pox. COVID had some babies. How have you been? <laughs> when you put it that way, I mean, I think I was just saying, like, I mean, I've said it to a lot of people recently. There are these moments where you feel like it's almost like you're losing a faith because it's just one thing after another, after another. So it's like we start to become kind of numb and desensitized to everything. Nothing feels shocking anymore. And then that in itself becomes a little bit depressing. I mean, I will admit not everybody's into this, but I am am into astrology and it's a really rough sort of, Mm-hmm. astrological moment and in those moments though there is always opportunity for growth and learning and I feel like sometimes that's the that's the way that I make it through I mean when we personally have things go on and then also when you just look around at the world and you're just like what the what is going on you know and I just in all of these like dark moments I hope and I pray and I you know, I really believe that still there's always some sort of spark of hope that we can grow and we can learn and that you go into these like dark moments of the soul as a way of transforming and transitioning and changing and flowing. Um, but I'll tell you that, I mean, honestly, even with Roe versus Wade, I don't even know that I've been able to talk about that with people because it just, it feels so dark inside. Yeah, um, I I look at the world and I'm just amazed at the hate, the violence, the unwillingness to work together, to cooperation, compassion, understanding. 
um, on the flip side of that, there are people, there are some good things out in the world. Um, you, you really have to look, look for them. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I usually read Yahoo and news and everything on there is like, this person stabbed this person. Oh, they found the body of this person. Where did, it's literally that every single morning. Now, there's some good stories in there. But the majority of the stories are about that. And I'm just like, my mom will say, well, why do you read that stuff? This is what's happening in the world, and we need to be aware. It's just crazy. I just, you know, there's, I, I sometimes I just have to pinch myself to see if I'm not living in the 1930s, 1940s, especially with something like a pandemic, and now they're talking about monkeypox. I mean, when you think about these things, you think, oh, they'll never come to, to the 2022, and here we are. Now, one of the questions I like to ask everybody that comes on my podcast is this. Obviously, the past couple of years have been cray, and we had some downtime because of the pandemic where people were working at home, but we still had time to self-reflect. You know, a lot of the times I saw things that I normally don't see, like family members walking together, um, climate change, the animals and the tree, trees and the and grass and what a nature was just happy that we were not out there. The pollution levels actually went down. I know the squirrels were probably thinking maybe they won't drive, they won't kill our family members out here. Um, you had people, lots of articles about people quitting their jobs. Pandemic made them realize, you know, life is really short and they want to do something that's more in line with their passion, their destiny. They want to make money, but they have to be happy doing it. Some people cut back hours on their work life because they realized they weren't spending enough time with family members. Um, artists like you and I, they um, decide, so a lot of people uh, released albums, EPs, singles, rebranded. Some people decided, oh, music's not for me, not doing this crap anymore. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of what happened is there was a lot of self-introspection. Um, some people decided to be more effective players in life, you know, become activists, whatever. Um, it's really, people really took the time to think. So during this period, did you think about your life um, in the music industry? Did you think about staying the same or did you come up with any changes? What did you think about? Well, you know, I think this goes right in line with what I was saying is that there's always, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm a glass half full type of gal because there's always these like little opportunities that come up and for me I had been running around I had been traveling all of these things kind of leading up into that and when I just really had this time to be home and you know I realized that I feel like I had a lot of privilege because I wasn't that stressed I was able to keep um, working to keep doing things and so I was able time at home where I could really focus on music and I had been producing since 2013 but when you're just like out on the road and you're it didn't leave a lot of space for creativity and that was the big the big thing for me is I locked myself you know in the studio and I really feel like in every way I up leveled when it came to my production and making music and then I just got to like really like because I was making music but I I will say there was always like a little bit of insecurity there or like oh I need to have this other person tell me that it's okay and it totally changed that where I just got really comfortable and got really um, I kind of, I felt ready to kind of share my voice and didn't feel like I needed as much validation from other people because it just wasn't there to give, you right. know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's where I sort of had the most growth was actually in my creative world. It was pretty much me and my partner 
um, at home together. I couldn't see my family for like a year and a half. All of that was really, that was probably the hardest part for me um, to not be able to see them. Like the moment I could go, I went. So I used that time to really just be in the studio and just making music and put all of my focus on that and getting really comfortable and creating something that is my style, my voice, my sound. Yeah, I found uh, that a lot of people that have interviewed, they learn how to, learn how to play uh, an instrument. Some people learn how to do the whole production thing. I thought that, that was great. Um, they added a new skill, a new level to what they've already done, which I thought that was completely awesome. Now, how did you get into the music industry? Was it something you saw, you heard? Did you just come out of the womb and say, I am music? Um, what was it? Well, when you put it that way, actually, I will say by the time I was like two or three years old, like whenever I could start talking, I the I would tell people that when I grew up, I wanted to be Olivia Newton-John. So I guess I did sort of have out of the womb, a very musically inclined and wanting, I told everybody I wanted to be a singer pretty much, but you know, I'd like seen Grease and I was like, I want to be her uh, for many, many years. And uh, I was, you know, I lost my way a little bit with that, trying to find different things, feeling like, oh, I didn't look a certain way, so I couldn't be a singer. Um, and I remember I had this babysitter that was like, well, if you're a singer, you can just project your, you're only going to make like $10,000 a year as a singer. And I'm like, this lady does not know what success is. And so, right. <laughs> you know, I kind of <laughs> fell off my path a little bit, but I went I went to Europe when I was 17 years old in between high school and college and I was going off to film school actually. And when I was in Europe, I went uh, to like, it, I don't, I wouldn't even call it a club. My aunt was living in Germany and she's like, go to this little bar down the street, teeny tiny place with trance music playing and like full lasers going. And I remember just standing in there thinking to myself, Oh my God. And that's what kind of hooked me on to dance music, electronic music, house music. Um, I was just like, there's lasers. There's so much going on. I like went to college in Boston. And while I was in Boston, I started working at one of the clubs there, the coach check girl and the door girl. And um, I went off to LA to film school, but I just, I loved the music so much. So I was going out on weekends, um, going to, to hear different people that would come in from all over the world to play in Los Angeles. And one day I was just in the crowd and the DJ threw a record into the crowd. And actually the guy next to me caught the record. I didn't even catch it, but he looked at me and he goes, what's this? And I just said, I'll take it. And he handed me the record. Um, and I was like, oh my God, it's a sign. I'm going to be a DJ. That was like the first sense of that. <laughs> um, I ran down the street. My friends were had a club that was going on down the street and like now I was like oh my I look back on this I'm like I was th that person never do this but I ran up and I was like play this record I want to hear what it sounds like um and that was sort of the beginning I started like just learning to be a DJ I mean I DJed for over 10 years before I started producing music but I I really needed something to like challenge me to keep me being creative and I felt started getting really limited um at just at being a DJ which I don't want to say just being a DJ because it's this whole right thing on its own, but I felt like I needed, I needed something else. And so in 2013 is when I kind of started learning to produce, learning Logic, mm -hmm. Ableton, Reason, um, kind of like, 
I had sung when I was in high school and when I was in young. So I brought back in my music theory, started practicing playing piano again. And um, that's kind of how I got back into it. Awesome. I love that. Um, how important is it for you to be um, authentic in your, in your life and your music? I mean, especially in an creative endeavor, well, I'll put it this way. If I'm trying to emulate something that someone else is doing, it just doesn't seem to work that way. I will say it's, you know, I don't have that experience where you just sit down. I'm like, I hear something in my head, and that is exactly what I've made. It's almost like I sit down. I maybe hear like a little tune, but then that leads you down so many different rabbit holes. So it becomes you just go you go in, you go into this kind of otherworldly space, you tap into something else, and it all starts to change from where I started. So it's hard really to not be authentic, because it's almost like a stream of consciousness for me, in my, the way that I work, a stream of consciousness that happens. And the more that I try to sound like someone else, the more that I try to emulate something, usually that is a rabbit hole that leads to a dead end. And I could just never get it just right or what I've made, I heard something and what I've made it into in my mind. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to work that way for me. It's like, I've got to go into this other, this other space, this space that's a little different, that's a little less intellectual. Um, it's like more feeling based. Go into there um, to work. It really only holds me up if I'm trying to copy something. Yeah, no, I completely get that. I can never... Uh, you know, it's interesting. I I had this person try to push one of my songs for um, to be on a playlist, and you know, and ninety nine point six percent of the people love the song, and but the guy was just like, well, maybe if you sing it like this, you know how Kelly Clarkson does this, and I said, but oh. I'm not Kelly Clarkson. I'm not her. No. And what I do, I what I do is it's Natalie. I'm not trying to emulate anybody. That's not the way that I sing. I hate when people. Do, he understood, but I hate the way. When I, when people do that, because the problem is is that the radio stations want to imitate us with the same damn artist over and over and over again to the point that you'll never know anybody else unless they die off. That, I mean, that's basically the point. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, you need, oh, you should sound like Taylor Swift or you should sound like Kelly Clarkson or you should sound like Beyonce. Or you should sound, no, I need to sound like myself. No. You know what I mean? Even when you yes. go to webinars and conferences they even ask say okay if you're going to give us something like you're right you're a writer and you want to write something for rihanna give us something different they ask for that stuff but when you listen to the radio station it's always the same damn thing so i just don't understand the music industry anymore it's like you know why can't you take 15 minutes and play some independent artists you've never heard of just to give them a little chance yeah i know it's pay to play but some of these people have some walls, <laughs> you know, radio stations. I could not, I could, oh my God, you're preaching to the choir girl. Yeah. I mean, it's the same way, even in, I mean, I always thought dance music was so underground, was independent mm-hmm. music. And I still, everything you just described, I still see there today, where it's like the same people are, that had power are, right. are keeping their power. And then sometimes if they choose, the gatekeepers choose certain people to bring someone in but always if it seems beneficial to them. I definitely see that all the time. And you know what? And and sometimes now, you know, there are people that get complimented by, oh, my gosh, you sound like a young Taylor Swift or a young Beyonce. <laughs> I think that's the worst thing a person can say to a person. To me, that's not a compliment. 
It's just like then, yep. then like put in a hole because how much, how many more Taylor Swift do we need? I mean, I, I personally like well, one uh, is enough. <laughs> I mean, and it's not to poo poo on the mainstream artists, but poo poo, you know. I think that. Uh, you know, obviously the pandemic was bad, but one of the great things about the pandemic was that the fact that, you know, more people were able to listen to independent music. They were able to take the time to discover new music. Um, totally, then, totally. Yeah. I mean, because I'm just serious. If these people, and I don't want to see these people die off, but the thing is, those are the only people they play. Like, like I was telling somebody the, the other day, you know, when Lizzo first came out, obviously when you're promo promoing and marketing your music, they're going to play her song 24-7. But after a while, I would get in the car in the morning, <laughs> the afternoon, the evening. It was the same damn song. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, no, now I can't listen to Lizzo. I can't. It's annoying. It's annoying. I switched through the radio one day, and I swear, it just went, I went to five different radio stations. And it literally was her track every single station I went to. It was so crazy. <laughs> I mean, it is just yeah. like, anyway, I just can't stand it. Um, what is it like? <laughs> That's how I knew. I needed to do a Lizzo remix at some point, which I did do, because I was like, everybody is going crazy for this. Yeah, you need, you need but to But I still had to make it my own. <laughs> Yeah, and no, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You you need to make a living, and people may be like, oh, my God, I love it. And it, it, it's funny because I was talking to this – we were talking about social media, and she was saying how uh, this one person never – they never did uh, – uh, on, t- on TikTok, they hadn't done something with this one particular song or this sound, this Elmo sound or one of those things. And she put it to music, and she said, you know, at first it was like a couple hundred views or – and then next it was like millions yeah. of views. Just because she created something different. Something yep. that people would be like, oh, wow. That's, people want that. People crave that. I'm telling you, all this crap that they're playing on the radio is just too much. Um, what does it like to be a woman in the dance music industry? Well, I things have changed a lot. And I think, you know, when I first started Mm. I mean I could probably only name two that were at the time like I tell the story a lot but like the first time I ever saw DJ Heather and Colette um, play at Deep which is a club down in Los Angeles I live in the Bay now but I was so blown away by the two of them because I just had never seen women on stage to like a huge crowd like that it was such like an eye-opening experience which really helped me be like oh I can probably do this it was so influential um because yeah when I started I would be the only female on a lineup people would come up to me and be like oh my god there's a female on the lineup whoa like so shocked like like I was just some kind of there to like do tricks I would always joke that it was just this like little like sideshow that I like put on because people were so shocked that my teeny tiny little woman brain could do all of this (laughs) you know that was like that's, you know, that's just the way it felt back then. And I will say all the times people have come up to me and been like, you're my favorite female DJ, or I'm so excited, you know, it's so cool or crazy to see a woman on stage. I mean, I'm so thankful for, for all of that. You know, it comes with a little bit of a twinge of like, 
wow, this shouldn't be this shocking to people. And so it does, it feels a little bit weird. And then at the same time, I see the like world that we existed in, the world that we exist in now. So I totally understand where it's coming from. Now, I will say over the course of the pandemic, um, Mm. especially, and just with everything that has kind of happened um, with Me Too and everybody being at home and thinking about these issues, with everything that has come up, um, I have started to see a real change, a real change for women, a real change, seeing more people of color. I mean, that to me was especially shocking, especially like the history of dance music is so ingrained in gay black culture and like that to like see that kind of be taken away taken out of it for so long and what got pushed to mainstream is such a a strange and like really unacceptable history so to see people bringing all of that to the forefront to be making an effort now um i still think it's not enough there's like further to go you still see lineups i'm like if your lineup does not have even one woman on the lineup, like right. things are getting crazy. Like you need to look at that, you know, but I will say it's so much more now than it was before. And there are women getting pushed, you know, into positions of power. I mean, I right. work, you know, I run DJ Dan's record label. And for me, you know, that is one of my main focuses for in stereo recordings is how can I bring more, women, women of color, more marginalized people, how can I start pushing people to the forefront in music? So everybody's voices are being heard, you know, and it's not just, you know, white men taking disco remixes, you know, making disco remixes and calling it their own. Like that's a change that you can, it's, I'm trying to make from the inside. And I will say it's still a struggle. I put calls out there and, you know, and try to like spread the word out. And, you know, I still don't get you know, to get people to come back because I still think women, we need to get people in production, learning production. And there's all these hurdles that you have to climb to get to the point that you can do it. And all these places, you know, I want to mentor people, bring all of this in to start helping people getting to the point like where I am, where you start to feel comfortable, where you feel like you know how to do it, where you have the opportunities, um, where you have the financial stability, all these things so that you can bring music into your life in this way and dance music if that's you know, for you. What do you love most about being a DJ? I mean, it's, it is about the connection that you have with people. I mean, I love music. I mean, it starts first and foremost there. Like I love, I just love music, but there's something about connecting with someone. Like if you play a song and you can see that they love the song, you know, there's like a moment, uh, there's a movie from the early 2000s called Groove, which, you know, they, they talk about it in that movie as the nod where mm-hmm. somebody, you know, just comes up and gives you this nod, but it means like, you know, you've touched them in some way. They've had some moment where the music really touched them. It touched them in their heart. It touched them in their soul. And maybe it took away a little bit of the pain in their life. You know, maybe they were having a rough week and just getting out and dancing made them feel better. Maybe they just broke up and they just needed to get out and like, let loose. You never know a lot of the times what's going on in anyone's life. And so it's just a, you, you could really be surprised at the ways that just like hearing music with another person, whether it's just together in your house or being on a dance floor, that experience of you have the experience you're going through as the DJ, I'm going to play this song for whatever reason. And then you have all these people on the dance floor that have their different life experiences. And right. 
just that beautiful connection that happened between the two and how music can really, it just can make, help people emote. It can bring so much out. And I, that's what's so magical about it. Yeah. I always tell people that are in the music industry that music is our superpower. Like, because yeah. we have the ability to affect change yes. in somebody's life. You know, somebody may uh, say, I need to listen to Natalie or I need to listen to something by Diva Danielle because I need to feel something, whether that's joy, rage, um, happiness, whatever the feeling is, they get something out of it. You know, music can Mm -hmm. heal. It can do so many wonderful things. So I, I, you know, I'm getting a t-shirt made. Music is my superpower. Oh, I want one of those shirts. How do I get one? (laughs) I start making them. You getting one. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Now, I'm going to play your song, Vibin'. Tell me what that's about. Okay, this is a remix that I did. Um, and I really, when I, my people that made the original track, they sent over um, the stems, which means they send over the different layers of music. Like, here's the drums, here's the bass line, here's this vocal that we use. And really, uh, the vocal is a vocal that has been in, other old school like house music songs I latched on to it like really and almost immediately and I just wanted to build everything about that vocal um something about it it's, it's a woman singing and I just felt like almost for me this feeling of like unleashing something the way that the, the vocal that they had sent so I got rid of everything else I was just going to use the vocal as sort of my anchor point in the song since it's a remix um so that's what I took from the song I'm like I'm going to work everything around this vocal and I just like kind of speaking of the dance floor, like imagine myself on the dance floor, sort of like letting go. Like that was the sense for me as I was making it. So I wanted something that kind of felt like it had these builds in it and then something that kind of like unleashed at a moment. So there's a change up in the second, after the second breakup in the song where it changes uh, the bass that you've been hearing and it changes into something else a little bit. It just is really just faster. Like I went from going a little bit slower with the way the beats were moving to kind of double timing it. Um, but yeah, I think that that was kind of what I was working with. I mean, I, one of the things I love about dance music is you can kind of be abstract. Songwriting is an amazing thing that I wish like writing, being a singer songwriter. I wish I had that same, uh, I could do that with words, but really for me, it's sort of feeling based. So it's really come out. I think that's why I've really connected with dance music so much. I'm like, this is the feeling that I'm getting. And this is the feeling that I'm going to try to convey. Awesome, let's play.
Um, thank you. Thank you. You know, it's funny. I was listening to it and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that there's, you know, it was really the female vo- vocal in that, that inspired that whole thing, even though like there's the guy, the male voice and it's the same vibe in the whole time. But that whole song was really built just in that the kind of repetitive female vocal that I really like latched onto. Now tell me about your side projects, uh, Burning Man Art Car and Charlie the Uni- Unicorn Art Car. <laughs> well, Burning Man is a large-scale art festival out in the desert in Nevada, and right. I, with a group of people, obviously, uh, built, it's a giant unicorn mobile DJ booth, mm. um, the horn blows fire, there, about a hundred people can ride on it in the desert, it has a large, I'm actually looking at a picture of it on my wall here in my studio, it's of yeah, from like 2015 of me and all the people that worked on it that year. But yeah, this is the last year we're going to be bringing it to Burning Man. We play funky house music on it. It lights up at night. It has, I feel like it's probably one of the most beloved art cars at Burning Man because it has this reputation of really everyone's invited. That was always our motto. We would always chant, one of us, one of us. So everyone's invited. There's these two candy canes on the front of it. Um, Mm -hmm. that people can like like go around as if they were on like a stripper pole or something like that Mm -hmm. and always like you know people have this idea of what a person should look like when they're but we are like any person gets on these any person can be the star of the show any person can be dancing on the platforms we let as many people on the car um, as we possibly can safely basically Um, and it has been a passion project I've been working on since 2011 I'm sort of sad to see sad that this is going to be the last year but there's some things in the works now and hopefully uh he's going to live on in a in a space where like actually more people probably can start to see him and enjoy all the work that we put in put into him but it was just a little bit too much to be going back and forth to the desert he's built on this 1979 flatbed truck which let me tell you is drama <laughs> so so yeah so we're working towards we have a show at the w uh, the the W Hollywood at the pool on July 3rd and then a show at Spin nightclub in San Diego. Uh, all they're all out here in California as we kind of raise the final funds to put the finishing touches on him for a big Bernie man trek this year. Oh, that's awesome. Now you've performed at Ella. How, how has that been? So I performed as part of the Do Lab stage. Um, okay. I did an opening set on Saturday. The Do Lab, they put on this like amazing stage. I mean, I've seen them grow so much. They also do a big festival out here called Lightning in a Bottle. And so their stage like went from being like a drum circle in the middle of Coachella to now they have this huge stage that you can thousands of thousands of people in. They have like water guns. They do other performances also. Um, it's a really really amazing place place they do such an amazing job at kind of like it's like a little oasis in the middle of Coachella which is really really nice that people can kind of sneak into um and I mean when they asked me I was so I felt so blessed I was just so like oh my god I can't even be believe that I'm being asked to do this and like I brought my best friend and my roommate at the time when I did it and it was just like okay I gotta like put on my big girl pants I gotta do this and uh yeah, it was like a build because I literally started off the whole stage. You kind of had to be like, how do I ease people into this whole day of music that they're about to get? Um, so it was really, 
yeah, it was a challenge too in that way, <laughs> a challenge and just like I'll be forever grateful for that experience. Nothing like it. Wow. Well, kudos to you for getting that gig. That's awesome. <laughs> really. Um, so I'm going to play the song. It says, DJ Denise, get off your. Tell me what that's about. Oh, yeah. And then my remix of that. So Denise, I work with a lot. Vibin was also a remix um, that I did for her. She really was really inspiring to me because I think I was kind of afraid to get out of like working, working through the pandemic, a little bit afraid to right. get out of my shell a little bit. And she was like, remix this track for me, remix this track for me. And because she just started throwing so much my way, that's what this song kind of represents to me is like, I was like, oh, man, I really haven't been, you know, you know, taking my own advice and put myself out there. And this was sort of, I was like, I'm doing it. F this. I'm doing this remix. I'm going to put it out. And it really, like, this track of all the tracks I've made recently, it just had this moment where everything clicked. And I'm like, this is going to freaking kill on the dance floor. Like, I just... There was a little idea that I got for the second, again, the second, after the second breakdown, which is where I always like to really kick, kick, kick it in for people. And um, it kind of becomes, gets a little circusy vibe to it, which I just absolutely loved. It kind of reminded me of my old raver days, you know? And for those of you that are not as familiar with like electronic music, the, it, there's like an intro and outro built to it. That's all like the time that's put into the song for a DJ to do the mixing in and out. So that's why you get this like little bit of a build where you just hear like, a kick and a clap or a kick and a snare or something like that before the bass line comes in. Cause all that for anybody who's interested in DJing is kind of put in there so that the DJs have that time to do their right. mixing on the dance floor. So you can seamlessly go from one song to the next. Awesome. Let's play it. Yeah. <laughs> Your ass, ass, and... 
time that's why that's it's actually like recently of the more recent songs i've done that's probably one of my favorites i'm just like it's time to rave (laughs) definitely time to rave now do you um (laughs) consider uh submitting your music for sync and licensing you know all of the music gets put uh gets basically published so we do like it's collected through ASCAP I guess and you know that's pretty much you know every once in a while I'll get a check for like a few hundred dollars and then sometimes I get a check for like 12 cents <laughs> I mean I would yeah. love for it to be like out there in like dance club scenes and tv shows and stuff and I'm not exactly sure where that's all coming from they don't really tell you but I'm like oh I got a check for 12 cents today <laughs> oh wow but you don't yourself don't take your music and just uploaded no it kind of we work through a distributor i mean all the record label labels work through distributors and they get distributed out in that way um i would love to do more in depth but of course it's you know who has the time (laughs) yeah no i get it this music industry is cray cray busy um what are three things you wish you had known before you got into the music industry Hmm, that is a great question. Three things that I wish I had known. I mean, I think it's the first thing was like, you really have to love it because I do think it's a, like, I just kind of stumbled into it as a DJ and then got hooked and I do really love music, but I, you know, I, 
it's a cliche, but you do have to be prepared for a lot of rejection. And sometimes when we go into these things and it's like, I'm good at this thing. I can see myself, this is what's going to happen in this amount of time. And I'm going to be here. And it's, you know, there is a little bit of, there's learning curves. It's an uphill battle. You've got to make your way through gatekeepers. And, you know, that in itself has been really emotionally, it wears down on you some days. Um, And I don't know that I fully had focused on that or really thought about it, even though I knew it existed you know, I didn't really take that to heart. Like, you really do have to grow a thick skin, I feel like. You were telling the story before about the person being like, you should sound more like this. I mean, there's tons of that, and everybody thinks they have an opinion all of a sudden, (laughs) and their opinion matters. And, yeah. (laughs) Um, Exactly. It's like, so I just wish I I had thought about that a little little bit more. you know, I think that that's like kind of the thing that really stands out the most to me is like, it's not just a, a cliche that's out there that, you know, actors or musicians, they face a lot of rejection. It is really a part of it. The next thing, which again, I think I did kind of know on some level, but I didn't think about it too much, is as soon as you start to become somewhat of like a public figure, you know, I say that in quotations, wherever you are, whatever scene you're in, as soon as you start to become known, it's really interesting the ways in which people don't really consider your feelings or that you're human. So people will say stuff to you online or send you messages with their opinions or their thoughts about your music, the way you look, whatever it is, anybody can have an opinion on. And again, it can be hard sometimes because you realize people, it's a, a weird thing that happens with someone where you, they kind of stop considering you as a person with feelings. You're now out there for anybody to say whatever they want about you. And it happens even on a small, it's from a small scale to a really large scale. And that's something you really kind of come to terms with. Um, You know, I wish I'd also just started producing music from the very beginning. Like I, you know, I always look back, I'm like, I would have been so much, it would have been here, it would have been there, you know. And I just wish I had like started at the same time that I started DJing, immediately throwing me back into producing because I did get to a point where I was like really to grow as a DJ I also need to be producing my own music and in some ways I felt like I was a little bit behind and I always enjoyed that it was just you know I was trying to figure out where to put my focus and I kind of wish I had done them a little bit more in tandem with one another but you know everything also kind of happens the way that it happens and it's been exciting either way so you know I don't like to beat myself up too much about it I mean, for me, it's like, oh, my gosh, the music industry is a lot of damn work. And also, uh, once you start getting into this industry, it's like the scammers just swoop on you. Oh, I can make you famous. Oh, yeah. I can this, and it's just going to cost this. So, I, you know, I always tell people, do your due diligence. Research people. Research them. Don't give out your money. Oh, yeah. Look something up online. Look yeah. it up online and all those messages you get on social media that are like, grow your followers, all of that, do not respond to any of them. Exactly. I mean, it's interesting on Instagram, as soon as you post something, they swoop down on you. And it's like, like damn, how did you even see this? Where are you in the ethers of the internet or Instagram? I just don't get that. Um, you know, and the, and the more that I'm learning, you know, in, in, I guess this is after getting into the music industry um, and learning all the tricks and trades is that now when you're creating music, it's not just, well, I'm going to create this song for radio and hopefully it charts. Now you have to create music to see if it'll go viral on platforms. It has to be, a you, it has to work 
on platforms. It, None it, of it existed before. Exactly. Yeah. None of it existed before. So it's like not even, I mean, social media, if I had known then, social media can be such a time suck. And sometimes it's fun. I mean, I, there are things I get on there and do, or like sharing things or sharing music, but it also it can take over your entire day. <laughs> no, I listen. I can say, okay, I'm just going to watch this video for two seconds. Two hours later, nope. watching all these dog animals, <laughs> uh, the video is making me cry. And I'm just like, okay, see, this is the bad part about this. But, you know, I recently took some courses. It was like this TikTok cap university. And it's really interesting, everything that you can do on TikTok. And um, they say that TikTok is actually streamed more than Netflix. Um, and that the videos that we are the authentic uh, videos, and which I believe, um, and you can push your brand. There's so much that you can do. It's not just a platform. Some people don't like TikTok because they think, oh, people are just being silly. But really, it's grown into this industry thing where you can find new tools. You can, you know, people get on there if they're depressed. You can find new artists. I mean, it's just an amazing platform uh, to me. Uh, where you can just see like regular people doing things, not even about mainstream people. <laughs> That's the part that I love. You get to meet you, yep. regular people doing regular things, and you learn about these hacks. I mean, the the one that I keep talking about is the pineapple. People were slicing fine pineapple, <laughs> and you didn't even need to do that. You just, just pull that thing out. That's just crazy. That's just crazy to me. That is the crazy. I gotta thing. look that up. Yes, look, you don't slice it, you just pull the ridges out, and you're eating this triangle piece. It makes sense. It makes sense. I've yeah. seen people cut pineapples like that. Yes, I need to watch that. <laughs> you know, I did a duet for the first time. Speaking of Lizzo, I tried to learn her dance, but you could do a duet where it's like her teaching the dance, and then you, like, try to do it. It was actually very, very entertaining. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. So... Now there's also Facebook Reels, um, and I did this, um, well, I did first did it on TikTok, but then I put it on my Facebook Reels, and uh, it's, and this was my first stitch ever. I had a friend do it, and I said, oh, this looks interesting. Let me try to do it. So it's Amber Heard on trial saying how her dog stepped on a bee, and then the next person had yes. to rhyme that, and then I said, and then I say, it makes me want to pee. Can I tell you, I have, I have 33,000 views on my Facebook Reels, just for me saying. How do I do that? I need to take this class. And I just need to take this class, What's fascinating is the stuff that people like, um, where you see this. <laughs> I mean, there are people that post five seconds of stuff, and they have like 300,000 300, likes or views or it's whatever. So crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. This person just did, well... Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely it's definitely a different world. Um, definitely a different world. What and lastly, what is one thing that you like to use, like an inspirational quote, a message, a phrase, a word that you like to use to help you push yourself throughout your day, or when you're feeling down, or you need to feel motivated? I mean, it's almost always this too shall pass. Just reminding myself that like. Everything is constantly, always, it's always in flux. It's always changing. Every emotion, every moment of writer's block, 
feeling of joy, the feeling of happiness, the feeling of grief, sadness, all of that. Just reminding myself where I am, wherever I am, especially if I'm feeling stuck, especially if I'm feeling like things aren't going to change, this too shall pass. All of it, it all changes. Everything is always changing. And that's really the, you know, the way to, to ride, especially when it's, you know, I'm having a moment, having a, a diva moment, you know, something like that just reminding me that that's, you know, it's all already changing into something else. Mine is I write my own narrative. Too many times people are just like, well, the press was mm. No. If you mm. don't put no. it out there, you tell the press to change it or take the damn damn thing. I don't need to, I don't need all that fame. I write my own narrative. <laughs> You're not going to start telling me who I am, what I am. No. No, 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 no. That's my whole thing. <laughs> and oh, I yeah. say it. Yes. I say it every believe day. It. You got to believe that. I believe. <laughs> I believe in <laughs> narrative, and nobody else is going to write. Give it to me. Amen. It's well, true. Then, it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's just very true. We, you know, you, you have to decide what you want in life, how you want to be perceived, and then you go for it. That's the end of that. Yep. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Danielle, Diva Danielle, for being on uh, Chatting with Nat. Um, it was my honor to have you on here. You're my first DJ. <laughs> I'm no longer Ooh, a virgin. Thank you so much. Yay. Hey, I'm no longer a virgin. DJ virgin. <laughs> um, DJ, uh, I've popped your cherry. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, and hopefully soon we can do like a um, IG live. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, Amazing. That would be awesome. All right. Now, everybody, if you want to find out more about Diva, Daniel, DJ Diva Danielle, I say Danielle like that because my sister's name is Danielle and I speak French. All right. I love it. <laughs> She's on Facebook. Well, Facebook is Music for Unicorns. Also, Instagram is Diva Danielle. SoundCloud is Diva Danielle. Twitter is Diva Danielle. Uh, TikTok is Diva Danielle IRL. Uh, Mixcloud is Yes, Diva. in real life. In real oh, oh, my God, in real life. I love that. Mixcloud is DJ da- Diva Danielle. Uh, Beatport. Beat is Diva Danielle. I'm on there too. I love that. Uh, Spotify. Put her name in there. Uh, Apple Music. Yeah, is Diva, Diva Danielle. Danielle. Yep. Or else if you can't remember any of that, you Google DJ that Diva Danielle. D D D D D. D D. Double D. That's a, DJ Dan and I always joke. Yeah. <laughs> We're both double Triple D. Triple D. DJ Diva Danielle. It's awesome. You gotta find her. Thank you so much, uh, Danielle, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Have a wonderful day. Same to you. All right, everybody. Until next time. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Love your voice.